So as you can tell, uh, first service, Brother Kenny prayed for Jake to get the words. And so then I walked up and I was like, everybody was kind of, ooh, that clearly isn't Jake. As you can tell, Jake's not here this morning. He wasn't feeling good this morning. So um, I got a phone call last night and he said, hey, I'm not feeling real good. Don't know what tomorrow morning's going to look like. Do you still have a sermon from about a month ago? I said, yeah, sure. And I do. The only problem is that sermon is in a Bible, which is in Hopkins County, Kentucky, or UPS truck somewhere in between. But I wasn't going to tell him that because clearly enough, he was stressed enough about what today was going to look like. So uh, we went ahead and put something together to... Uh, to relieve that, but um, it, I guess it's something that I want to preface. Um, I don't feel like I'm, I'm called to be a pastor. I don't feel like this is what I do all day, every day, but I respect this pulpit with so much um, that I would never say no to someone that was in need. And it's not because, um, I guess, of any other reason uh, that I would ever say yes, because like I said, I'm very much out of my comfort zone whenever I do this. I talk to kids on a regular basis. I love working with y'all's kids. Um, I'm probably just a really big kid uh, in an oversized body. Um, but I have such respect for this pulpit um, and for what can be done here. And so one of the things that I wanted to, to kind of preface was um, the last sermon that I had ready um, whenever Jake ended up coming home. Uh, earlier than he had expected, um, was pretty much just based on uh, the, the title of respect. And the respect of this pulpit, the respect of the church, the respect of the positions in this, and the respect I have for Jake uh, and the position that he holds um, for this church to keep that doing so many great things. And so um, I wanted to kind of preface that because the day that he preached, uh, that I was ready to preach for him, was different, different, um, total different sermon, don't get me wrong, but it was almost identical. The verses that we were quoting were different, yes. Um, the person that was, that was preaching it um, was different, yes. He did a lot better job, absolutely yes. But the, the purpose in it was just talking about pretty much the exact same thing. It was just a different delivery method. And so my prayer this morning is that I don't know what Jake had in store uh, in Samuel today. I have no idea if that's anything in correlation to what we're talking about today or not. But it's my prayer that what we talk about today is what God wants you to hear. Um, and that's all I ask for. Uh, so uh, as, as we get this service kicked off, um, uh, just pray with me that I wouldn't, I wouldn't hinder that in any way, form, or fashion. That uh, what you guys need to hear is what you hear. And um, I'm just the... Uh, the creek that gets the water from point A to point B or the speaker that is plugged into the right cord or whatever. So let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. And uh, as always, Lord, I just ask that uh, in spite of me, that you would speak through me, that you would uh, deliver the message that needs to be heard today, not the message that I want to say or um, that Jake wants to say or the message that maybe the congregation wants to hear, but the message that you have in store for us today. We just ask us all in your son's name. Amen. So every every time that I've ever filled in, every time that I've ever worked with the youth, pretty much, um, I put together notes. Most of the time, I don't use a lot of them uh, because I get sidetracked really easy. So, um, so there's really no telling what you're going to get in second service compared to what first service got because it's truly always an original. That's just the way that this kind of works. Um, but the... What I want to focus on today, 
um, if there would be a title that I would call it, would be The Best is Yet to Come. And as I think about The Best is Yet to Come, I think of what all people my size, and uh, Jake laughs about both of us being our size on a regular basis, so I feel comfortable putting him in, involved in this status as well. Um, we think of dessert. We think of food. We think of what. You know, why are we working? It's because we like to eat. Ultimately, I mean, we like y'all and all, but ultimately the reason I work is because I really want to eat, and I like to eat good, and I like to eat a lot. So that kind of my world kind of revolves around a lot of the reasons why I do a lot of what I do is because I like to eat. And a lot of the other reasons that I do, the other things that I do, uh, is because I know that today is the day of salvation, and I know that there's things that uh, I'm called to do, that I'm supposed to do, that we all are supposed to be doing each and every day. So really there's only two purposes that I have in this life, and that's to kind of uh, to make the most of what God has in store and to probably make the most of whatever I can put on a plate. So you can take that for whatever it's worth. But my world kind of relates to food in a, in a, in a kind of funny sort of manner. So this last week we were at Gatlinburg at a show called Hatfield and McCoys. Anybody ever heard of that? Ever been there? Anybody get full? Anybody go home hungry? Okay, not a hand there. So as we were finishing up an enormous amount of food, uh, the waiter uh, came to pick up some plates and, and things like that. And Grayson started to hand his, his um, plate with his fork and spoon and knife and everything on it. And the waiter said, hey, hold on, son. Dessert's not here yet. You need to keep a hold of that utensil because you're going to want to eat that. Now, I personally have ate a lot of food on the road. So I have found that there are creative ways of eating things without utensils. Has anybody ever ate biscuits and gravy without a fork or a spoon? <laughs> Only one? Really? Ah, there's two. Okay. There's at least a few of you. It's, it's messy. It's nasty. But you got food. You're hungry. You're going to figure out a way. Whether that's wiping your hands off on your shirt, figuring out a way of making like a knife out of uh, like styrofoam, whatever. I have no idea. But there's always a way of getting food consumed if you need it. What about pancakes and syrup? Anybody ever do that one going down the road? One here. Y'all don't travel and eat near as much as what I do, I guess. First service is a little bit more interactive, too. Because there's, I guess a lot of them do the same thing we do. Either that or we all like to eat more. Um, I found myself in lots of situations where um, when you're driving down the road and you get 10, 15 miles from where you got your food, and then you find out there's a situation here. The food is here. Your stomach is saying, I really want that. But there's no decent way of eating it. You just make a way. You make it happen one way or the other. And what this waiter was telling Grayson is that what you've been waiting for, the dessert of this meal, it's all been great up to this point, but the dessert, what tops it all off, I'm getting ready to go get. And you don't want to have to try to mess around and figure out how to eat this when you've got the, the utensils right in front of you. So just hold on. And I'll be right back with it. And we enjoyed, I, I, I love banana pudding. I literally have the world's best mother-in-law because several times a year, banana pudding just shows up. And that is like a huge weakness for me. Um, huge weakness for me. Uh, there's several foods that I like, but that's one of them that I really, really love. And I found myself through the years lots of times, um, whenever we have a, a, a fellowship or something here, Thanksgiving, whatever it is, I'll watch and we'll make sure that everybody gets through the line. And, and while I'm watching everybody get through the line, I keep watching the, the, the foods that I love the most. Like, hey, there's that corn casserole. I can't wait to, I think it's about out. 
And then I start watching this stuff starts dwindling away. And then I turn over and I look at the dessert table. I'm like, ain't nobody touched that yet. I'm going to get me some of that. I'm going to get me some of that banana pudding. I'm going to get me some of that pecan pie and, and, in lieu of my buddy Dean Healy that said you never want to miss out on a piece of pecan pie. I'm going to get some of the good stuff before it disappears. The only problem with that is then sometimes I eat more of that than what I should, and then I miss out on turkey and the dressing and other good stuff too. So everything kind of comes in proportion. And so I kind of got to thinking about this, this sermon here this morning, and I kind of thought it's, it's kind of like a, you know, like a five-course meal or anything else. There's, there's certain parts of it. And so once again, fat guy goes back to fat guy ways. I'm thinking about food when I'm putting together the sermon. So as I'm thinking about all this and I'm putting it all together, uh, I think what about the church do we believe is the best that's yet to come? Do we believe that the best is yet to come is here on earth? Or do we believe that it is an eternity? And so as I look at the look at the crowd here this morning, and I'm sure nobody in this uh, in this crowd will be subject to some of the things we're going to talk about here this morning, but I think how many of us actually truly believe that the best is yet to come? How many of us live life to the fullest today, thinking that today is the best that it's ever going to be, and that's all it's ever going to be? And how many of us are so focused on the future that we can take the roles of the ups and downs of today and tomorrow, next week, next month, and we're okay with that because we know that there's a prize waiting. I am not a salad eater. I know that probably will surprise most of you, but I tolerate salad because if I have to eat a salad to get what I want, I will eat it. But I would just as soon eat a salad at the end of the meal if I've consumed everything else that I wanted and there's nothing else to fill me up with, I'll eat a salad. That's the way I treat a salad. It's also the way I treat a lot of life. I really want what I want. I want an eternity in heaven. I just don't want it to cost me anything. It's the way most of us live. I want the dessert. I want the good stuff. I just don't really want it to cost me anything. And so as I was kind of putting this together of what is the best is yet to come, what is the best part of all this, it makes me evaluate what we do here each and every Sunday. So as we get ready to get started here, I just want to ask you a simple question. And actually, I'm going to ask if you wouldn't care, close your eyes and just kind of zone out for me for a minute about everything else that's going on in your life. Just close your eyes and answer yourself this one question. Why are you here today? Is it to fulfill a role of making sure that that chair is not empty? Is it to fulfill a role as to why you feel like you have to, um, to show up to church at least four and a half times a year to make sure that you get to heaven? Is it to come and make the most of it? Are you coming because you love the music? Are you coming because you love to hear Jake preach? Are you coming to be fed? Are you coming to serve? Why are you here today? Gut level honest with yourself. I don't care what the answer is. This is between you and yourself. Nobody else needs to know, just you. Why are you here today? Okay, you can open your eyes. So if you wouldn't care to pull up the verse, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, they'll bring it up here on the screen here. There's another problem that I have is I have lots of Bibles at home, but I only have one New King James Version. That's the version I like. And so what I'm going to read out of is not New King James, so I'll put it up here. So I'm just going to read off the screen. I'm going to cheat with you all, if that's okay. 
uh, says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For this is the sort that creep into the house and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Focus for just a second here on this last, ver- last part of the verse. It says, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. I've met a lot of really, really smart people in my life. Really, truly genius kind of smart people that can't comprehend the gospel. They can't comprehend why we have this hope and we have this faith that we cling to. And I think it's because they feel like for everything in all of creation, there's a perfect specific answer that has to make sense. And nothing about the gospel will ever make sense. We all have to understand that. Um, nothing about it made sense that a month ago when Jake preached, it would have been pretty much the exact same sermon as what I would have preached if I would have been in a situation because neither one of us are scholars. Neither one of us went to Yale, Duke, or any other whatever high-class school that you could possibly go to. We're not on the same wavelength of anything in the world except for eating and if God says something to us. That's the only way that we're connected. That's it. He's a sports guy. I'm the farthest thing from a sports guy in the world. We've got several things in common, but it all relates down to what the gospel says and what the gospel does. So always learning and never able to come to knowledge. I think there's a lot of people that struggle with the simplicity of why we're here and what we're doing here. Back up a couple slides if you don't care, Luke. Uh, One more. I'm sorry, you got it. Yeah. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now, I'm probably a little bit, and this is totally different than first service, because like I said, nothing's ever the same. I'm a little bit of a gearhead. I like speed. I like fast. I like power. I like things like that. And so um, I'm, I can kind of relate to whenever it says denying its power. Um, on the farm, on a real regular basis, um, I'm always looking for the optimal performance of something. And a lot of the times, I change fuel filters like it's going out of style, because if junk gets in your fuel filter, you lose performance. You don't get near the power. And so I like knowing that if I need power this instant, I've got it. I used to ride four-wheelers when I was a young kid, when I was young and dumb. And it was, I was addicted to a 250R four-wheeler because literally when you pushed the throttle, an explosion was going to happen and something was going to go somewhere and it was going to happen real, real fast. So it's kind of like a drag car or something like that. It is sitting still this instant and then it's gone. And so when I start thinking about power and I start thinking about uh, having a form of godliness but denying its power, I think, how crazy is it to think that we have all the power in the world, the same power that moves mountains, the same powers that created mountains, the same power that creates life and everything that we see, and then we deny it. So why would we do that? It's the million-dollar question. Why would we do that? I love power. I watch Tool Time. Does anybody in here remember Tool Time? Tim Allen? <laughs> Anytime big power showed up, you know, it's like, oh, he, he gets excited, you know. It's like, this is going to be awesome. I kind of relate to that guy. 
but I relate to him in a spiritual level as well. I see so many people with so much potential to do some awesome things, and they deny it. So why would we do that? It got me to thinking that, once again, if there's more to come, if the best is yet to come, why are we shortchanging this? And it's because simply, if you back up a little bit in these verses, it's talking about who we've become as a society. We love ourselves. We're ungodly. We're unruly. We don't listen to our parents. We literally want to live every day for me. It's the world revolves around me. It's all about me. You need to tailor this service to me. I want this this way. I want that that way. I want my McDonald's uh, cheeseburger with onions, without mustard, without whatever it is. We've been told so much of our life that you can have it your way exactly the way that you want it. And it don't work that way in real life. Anybody in here ever watch some Hallmarks? You gotta be honest. Come on. Guys, I know you watch them too. I watch them all the time. It's either don't sit with my wife and, and not watch TV or sit with my wife and watch some Hallmark. Loud and proud, raise your arm. If you watch some Hallmarks, okay. okay. They're great, right? Every Hallmark is the same, essentially. Okay? Boy meets girl, fall in love, hate each other, fall in love, get married, the end. I mean, that's, that's about a three-second three version of a Hallmark. That's pretty much almost everyone summed up that way. And I'm picking on Hallmark. I really actually truly love watching Hallmark. I'm kind of, I like watching love stories and stuff like that. Cause I don't know, it's just weird, I guess. Uh, but, but I love watching a Hallmark, but it gives me a messed up view of what life looks like. It gives me a messed up view of how easy marriage is. Is marriage easy? No. A few heads shaking their head, yes, lying. Or you ain't married yet, one of the two. <laughs> Marriage isn't easy. Life isn't easy. Church isn't easy. Nothing worth having is easy. Except for salvation. And it's so simply easy that it's hard. It's hard for us to process. It's hard for us to comprehend. Something that big, that life-changing, that life-altering is that simple. And so most of the time I feel like we overcomplicate it because we feel like I have to have a part in my salvation. God can't just literally sweep in and save the day before I was even born. I have to have a part of it because honestly, we're kind of self-righteous people. Just who we are. Once again, it goes. you go back into Timothy there a little bit and it talks about us. We're all mentioned in that. Unruly, ungodly, um, self-centered. We're all those people. Unfortunately, it's probably going to get even quieter because I notice it's not necessarily the, the amening kind of sermon today, but it's a sad but true story. Life is hard, church is hard. Let's read here in Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Back up, back it up, I think too slow, yeah, there we go. Perseverance, character, and character to hope. What do you have to do to get perseverance? Have a Hallmark movie? 
The reason Hallmark movies work is because they fall in love, it all falls apart, and then they figure out how to persevere and put it back together, and then it turns out all right in the end. They had to have trouble to make that work, okay? You know why I have calluses on my hands? Because at some point in time, I did something with a shovel, hammer, wrench, whatever, burnt myself, whatever, and, and it calloused the skin to where if, it, if I do that same thing again tomorrow, it doesn't hurt me near as bad. The same reason that a conceal and carry class teaches you to shoot the same way every time, all the time, is so that whenever you can't comprehend what you need to do next, your body automatically remembers how to do something in a time of need. That's the reason we do things on, in repetition. is because we have to be able to know what to do without thinking. Has anybody ever freaked out just a little bit and then re realized that they overreacted or they overcompensated or did something like that? Anybody ever run off the road or anything? Coming home the day before yesterday, I looked at something. There was actually a motorcycle passing us on the right in a construction zone. As I turned to look, I turned back around, and about from here to the back of the church, there's brake lights on the vehicle. And I slammed on the brakes real hard, and I mean, we weren't even close. But I just I turned around, and in an instant, I saw brake lights, and I panicked. And that's a muscle memory. That's something that tells you, hey, something bad is about to happen. What do you do? You try to prepare yourself for that. So on a daily basis, on a regular basis, we have ups and downs because life is tough. Um, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but not everybody in your life is going to be there for your pleasure and for your benefit. Some people are not here to help build you up. Some people are here to tear you down. Satan makes a living off of this. He loves it whenever he gets to tear you apart and, and gets to mess you up. So there's going to be hard days. No matter if you're on salvation side or on the worldly side, there's going to be hard days. So what do we do with that? And once again, it says perseverance adds character, character to hope. Um, there's several verses in the Bible, and one of them that I love the most that talks about hope is, it says, I will cling to the throne of hope. In other words, I'm going to cling to what my king gave me and it's a hope that tomorrow is the best that's yet to come. That the next day or that eternity, whatever it is that we're experiencing today, isn't as good as it gets. Because if today is as good as it gets, today's been a great day. But is it as good as what eternity can be whenever there's no sickness? When there's no anybody upset about this or that or anything else? had a conversation with a couple individuals this morning. They're going to laugh and smile as soon as I say this, but there was almost a marriage issue over a haircut. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to point you out, but you had to shove him. There was almost that, because we really wonder if today is as big as it gets sometimes, but it's not. I just told them to be proud that their forehead was not a five or six head like me and Jake. I mean, that's it's... It, it, just be glad that you got hair that you had to get cut, right? We can look and we can laugh and we can have fun and lots of things in life, but the reality is, is every day is ups and downs. Every season has its good days and its bad days. And every life has its good days and its bad days. I think of Job and whatever I keep thinking, every time that you read another verse, you think it can't get no worse. The guy is bottomed out. Something else would happen. He gets sucker punched from the left to the right to gut punched. It just, 
Every time he turned around, something bad was happening to the guy. But then just a few seasons later, what's happening? It's better than he could imagine. Many times in our life, we get wrapped up with our feeble brain. And I don't care how smart you are, you have a feeble brain compared to what God can comprehend and what you can comprehend. I'm way lower than you, so I will take my, take my licks on that. But I, I'm just telling you, we can't comprehend the power that it takes to speak the earth into existence. We can't comprehend the power that it takes to make sure that my sermon and Jake's sermon, whether whichever one of us would have spoke that day, would have been the same sermon. I can't comprehend those things. I also can't comprehend all of the things that I see happen that are blessings in spite of us. I'm sorry, but if I was on the throne... A long time ago, there have been a lot of lightning strikes and a lot of people would have just went out of the air. Wouldn't have to worry about the rapture. They'd have been up in smoke because that's where my patience level goes. But he's not that. And I can't comprehend that. I can't comprehend so much about what the Bible tells me, but I can comprehend this. That if we truly believe that the best is yet to come, I do. If we truly believe that heaven is waiting for us, and it is the, as special of a place as what he's told us. Really, what does our ups and downs here have to do with it? Tammy's shaking her head saying, ain't nothing. It's exactly right. Nothing. In the whole grand scheme of things, what eternity looks like compared to this next 13 and a half minutes that you have to suffer through a fat guy talking in the front of you. It's Nothing. It's absolutely so life-altering if you will just put your focus on what is to come instead of what is right in front of you. Let's go ahead and go to the next verses here. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father and He will give you another helper and He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. I want you to pause for a second. 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Why is it that the world can't receive a Holy Spirit that we've been blessed to get? Anybody know? I'm pretty interactive. So I like, I like people to talk back a little bit. I'm used to working with teenagers. They always talk back. So, Why can't they receive it? Not saved. That's right. You have to accept what Christ has to offer before He's going to give that to you. You have to believe in something that doesn't make sense before you can understand it. You have to believe that there is an eternity. You have to believe that long before you existed, He died and rose to conquer death for you. You have to believe all that. And most people, the, the, the scholars of this world, can't comprehend that those things could possibly happen. And because of that, I'm, I'm very inclined to say that today, always, whenever I read that today is the day of salvation. Because I grew up knowing that, you know, tomorrow we're going to do this, knowing tomorrow we're going to do that. And we make plans, we make efforts to do everything the way that we want. But the later you get in life, you find out that normally things don't ever go as planned, right? Hardly ever. 
That's where the perseverance, that's where the hope comes into. And the hope comes into this. And so when we have the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that resides in us, that works on getting the muscle memory so we know how to comprehend and we know how to work through life and we know how to get through the hard situations, we know how to look on to the, to the other side of eternity. That's where all this comes into play. Now the other part of this is, is I asked you a question of why you're here in the very beginning. So of these situations here, we've got the people that um, are pretty much the, the dirt bags of the earth. It's what we read about in Second Timothy there. The people that are ungodly, unruly, unholy, and everything they want to do. They have their own version of what Christianity looks like. And that can be people sitting in a church pew. That can be people sitting in a bar or anywhere in between. We all have our own version of what we want that to look like and what we're willing to give for this. So as you think about this, where do you fit into this category? Are you the one that's completely and totally sold out that every time that you go in to, to Hux and, and get a gallon of gas and you're just praising the Lord that it was only $7 instead of 8 and you're so happy? Or are you a little pessimistic? Are you dealing with life a little bit more begrudgingly because we're worried about what today holds instead of what the future holds? Are we more worried about people's salvation? Are we more worried about my own security, my own um, safety net. Because ultimately, we really like the Hallmark style of a movie. We like the comfortable, peaceful ending. We like how things are just my way always. Anybody ever go back to a McDonald's or Dairy Queen or anything like that and say, hey, you got my sandwich wrong? Why do we do that? Because we want it our way, right? In our Christian walk, Evaluate yourself just for a few minutes here as we get ready to close up here. Is the world revolving around you and your own little world? Or are you serving? Are you giving? Are you striving for something that's better? And striving to make sure that the people that's around you get to experience that same better? Or are you striving to say, hey, it's like McDonald's, I want it my way. Hallmark movie needs to end with a happy ending all the time, every time. Because the reality is most of the people that, that made it through the Bible as some of the, the core people that we read about and that we study about, they had a hard way to go while they were here and they had a hard way to go right before they left. So why do we think that we're so special that we wouldn't experience some of the same? Anybody remember a couple years ago when we had outdoor services and it was like 105 in the shade? Anybody remember that? In almost 20 years of going to church here, it's probably my favorite, ser favorite services. You know why? We're uncomfortable. It's hot. Sticky. Probably was stinky if you were sitting by the wrong person. I don't know. We had a local dog that come and visit us. I mean, he was a happy, happy dog. He worshipped with us better than any dog I've ever seen in a service. But I heard people worship in a way that I don't get to see in here. And it's because we're comfortable. The people that would go out under a pavilion and sit in a hot, sweating, nasty uh, pavilion, whether it was raining, whatever the situation, the weather was that day, was there for the right reason. I want it. And I want it so much that I'm willing to conquer some of the adversities that come along. So when you think about the perseverance that adds character, that adds to hope, that's what you see 
When you go to countries where you can't have church, when they have church, they have church. When we have church, I want it 71 degrees. I want it for two and a half songs. I'm going to raise my hand like this. A couple claps. We're good to go. We don't want it. I wish that we had some like hardcore football coaches that could just come up and yell and scream and motivate us and we could take off for the rest of the year and live life to the fullest, but it doesn't work that way. No matter how hard Jake preaches, we still just want to be comfortable until something creeps in and challenges just a little bit. And so as we start thinking about the best is yet to come, and as we start thinking about what's our dessert, and we start thinking about the ups and the downs of what life holds, are you actually willing to live life kind of on the outskirts, saying that you're the Jesus freak, saying that you're the guy that's kind of out there, that's happy to pay $7 a gallon for gas because you had $7, because God had provided for you. Are we happy to share our testimony, our ups and our downs, our, the fact that sometimes life just flat out sucks in our, in our period of life right now? It's hard. I don't know how I'm going to make it through tomorrow, but I'm going to share this, how I got through my yesterday's trial with this, with this guy because he's going through it today. Because I know that there's a hope. I know that there's a future. I know there's something bigger than me. And that's why I'm here serving. That's why I'm here worshiping. That's why I'm here teaching Sunday school, working in the nursery, doing check-in, greeting somebody for the first time that they've ever walked into church. That's why we are here to corporately worship together. Is that it? Are we here for the checkbox because we want our version of what holiness and what godliness looks like? I want just enough heaven to get me out of hell and I don't want to change nothing in between. I want to accept the reward of salvation and I don't want to be challenged or changed one bit. Or are you sitting on a chair this morning saying that I don't want salvation at all. I really don't want to be changed. I'm just here because I'm here and I don't even know why I'm here. I'm just going through the motions and I don't really even know what all this means. Because really you're one of those three people. And that's up to you. I sing songs all the time in my head. I sing songs all the time in a tractor and a combine. And Jamie just heard me say again this morning, I hate to hear myself. That's why I hate getting up here talking to you all, because I hate to hear myself in a speaker. So if I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing with the radio as loud as I can make it. But I love to worship in a way like that. There's a song that comes, uh, comes to my mind. It says, Holy Spirit, come. And in the chorus, it says, come like a fire, come like a flood, a consuming, something that wraps us up. Whenever you look at the, the TV shows uh, that's posting the news of what's happened in these 14-inch torrential downpours and, um, and the wildfires, when something gets around a 14-foot wave coming at it, it's done. It's wiped out. It's consuming. I don't care who you are in here, you're not going to stand at a 14-foot wave mashing you in the face. You're going to be consumed by it. Just like a 5,000 acre wildfire. If you're going to stand there and stand and say, hey, now you, you need to go around my house. It's not going to happen. It's going to consume you. That is the way that our God works. We either want all of the Holy Spirit, we either want to be completely and totally submerged and changed, or you're telling it, I'm going to limit your power and I only want this much. And I think it's sad that we would sit here and say, God, 
I love what you did. I love how you painted the mountains. I love the sky that you made this morning. I love the fact that the sun came up today, just like it does all day, every day. I love that you did all that. I just don't really want you to mess with my life. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want, and be really, really comfortable. But by the way, right before I die, I want to make sure that you keep me comfortable in eternity because it's all about me. I think that's a really loud statement. So as Jamie comes, I'm going to ask you all to stand. And this, like I said, not necessarily expecting a whole lot of, uh, of amens out of this, but I want you all to stand and I want you to all think as the altar is open. You're one of those three people. Are you willing to stay the same? Do you want your version of dessert or do you want it all?